Are we not blessed to have a band that can actually pull that off? I mean, that's uh, uh, half of you are like, uh, can they pull it off? Can they do it? I mean, it's just, wow, that was awesome. Hey, just, just for me, could you do the do-do-do-do-do? Just one, just one more time. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because really, that's the star of the song, right? Not Jesse. That's, you're all just waiting for that moment. Man, that's, that's incredible. Hey, we are doing our playlist series, and if you have a Bible, I would like for you to open up to a book that is not real super common that I preach out of, First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians, okay? Um, if you have no clue where that's at, that's okay. I even had to look it up myself. Uh, it's actually in the New Testament. If you have a paper Bible, it's about three-fourths of the way through that. Uh, if you have a mobile device, go to corechurch.com, and you can download a Bible if you don't have one. I read out of the New Living Translation, so if you're going to follow along, you're going to want that translation so you know what's, what's going on. But this is uh, a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul. Now, the Apostle Paul used to persecute Christians, used to kill them, and then he had a miraculous conversion, and, and then he went out to spread the gospel, and he took the gospel all over the world, and he started all these churches, which is really cool because that's what we did. You know, that's what we did 15 years ago. That's something that's been going on for 2,000 years now. And so the Apostle Paul starts the church, and one of them that he starts, and several of them are in the area of Thessalonica. And then what he would do, because they didn't have the internet back then, he would write letters to them. And he wrote letters inspired by the Holy Spirit to these churches. And so here in 1 Thessalonians, uh, there's a second Thessalonians. You want to go to go to First Thessalonians. You're not already too confused. Uh, and chapter five is where I want to read out of this morning. Let me give you a little backstory here. What's happening is the church. This is really something we don't really think about, but they had been anticipating the second coming of Christ, that Jesus was going to return for His church, and then um, some people started dying in the church, and the church started freaking out, like ah. Uh, I thought Jesus was going to come back, and now we got Christians that are dying. What's going on? And Paul then explains in chapter 4 how the dead in Christ are going to rise first, and he kind of explains the second coming of Christ and how Jesus is going to come back. And then we pick it up in, in chapter 5 and verse 1. He says this, Now concerning how and when all this will happen, he's talking about the, the second coming of Jesus, Dear brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write you. For you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. When people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin, and there will be no escape. But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief, for you are children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night, so be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk, but let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive, when he returns, we can live with him forever. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. Let's pray. God, thank you for this gift. Your word is a, is a gift to us and we are grateful for it. And in these few moments that we have to open up your word, speak to us, we pray. And when I ask you, church, just to um, pray for the people around you, you don't have to do that out loud, but just pray for them. 
Uh, maybe you know them by name. Just pray that they'd be open to what God wants to speak to them. Uh, pray that God would also speak to your heart, that you could hear what he wants to say. And then pray for me as your pastor. I want to be faithful to the text. I want to be faithful to what the Holy Spirit wants all of us to hear today. And if you're ready to hear from the Lord, give me a big, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, in the song, In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins, it starts off with these lyrics right here. I can feel it coming in the air tonight, oh Lord, I've been waiting for this moment for all my life. Oh Lord, can you feel it coming in the air tonight? Oh Lord. Okay, you're in the band now. All right. Oh, Lord. We, we all have uh, something that we're anticipating in, in, in the future. In fact, some of it, you may be thinking about it right now because it's Labor Day weekend. So you're already thinking about that barbecue that you're going to or that barbecue that you're going to be having. How many of you are barbecuing for Labor Day? Okay. All right, keep your hands up so we can see you. These are all the people that you want to see after service so we can go hang out with them. Yeah, some of you are... Anticipating, how many of you are anticipating a day off tomorrow? Yeah, I mean, we're anticipating a day off tomorrow. A football season has started. Anybody anticipating football? Yeah, OU, OSU underway. Although OSU on Thursday, man, as OSU fans, you're like, I'm anticipating a bowl, bowl uh, game this year. I'm anticipating a bowl game. Then you watch that game, you're like, anticipating hopefully a winning record now. <laughs> Didn't look so good. And then OU fans, oh, you're the best, aren't you? Because you're like, yeah, after last night, national championship, baby. Now you, you played Akron, okay? Just relax. But we all have things that we anticipate. Some of it right now. Some of, some of the things, honestly, are bigger than that. Um, maybe you're anticipating that one, one day you, you might have children. You just think of that day when, man, I, I'm going to have kids. Some of you have kids, and you're anticipating that day that they're going to move out, and you're going to... I won't have kids. Oh, I can feel it coming. <laughs> You're never going to hear that song the same way again now. It is coming. Trust me. Hallelujah. Amen. Some of you are anticipating graduation. Some of you are anticipating uh, retirement. We're, we all have these different things that we're anticipating, but what I want us to do today is I, I want us to pull back a little bit, okay? I, I, I want us to get a, a bigger picture and a, and a new perspective on, on what we should be anticipating. Because the Apostle Paul tells us in, in 1 Thessalonians that there's a greater moment coming. And I, I don't know why, but we don't really talk about it a lot in the church. I don't know why we don't talk about it, but we, we don't. And Paul is talking about the return of Jesus. For those of us who placed our faith and our hope in Jesus Christ, we have the promise of heaven one day. Amen? I mean, it's coming. You can anticipate it. It's on its way. But for some reason, we just, we just don't talk about it a lot anymore. I mean, it's the day coming with no more sorrow, no more pain, no more sin, no more anguish, none of that. All gone. Everything is perfect and good. Three people are excited about heaven. This is why I'm preaching about it. I came under great conviction when I began to prepare this message because I went back 
to kind of look and see all the messages I've preached about it. That's what I'll typically do. I'll go back, I'll kind of look and see what have I said about this in the past and is there something I need to say again or I don't want to say that again. And I began to go and look back at, at how often I'd preached about heaven. In, in 15 years of, of preaching sermons, I found one. One. We, we just don't talk about heaven. We, we, we live... In the now, I, I remember growing up, and, and maybe a lot of you didn't grow up in the church, but man, I did. I was there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Sunday school, didn't matter what was going on, my butt was in church. And I remember going to church, and I remember the old timers, okay, talking a lot about heaven. Maybe they were because they were old. Maybe that's why they were talking about it, because they were just one step away from it, so they were talking about it all, all the time. But we sang songs about it all the time. I mean, I've got a mansion just over the hilltop, that bright land where we'll never grow old. I mean, I just remember singing all of these songs. The king is coming. I can go on all day with these songs. Yeah, aren't you glad I didn't sing the song earlier? I just remember that. I remember that the, the preacher would get up and they would preach about it, although I didn't really like that part because back in the day when they did preach about the second coming, it was hellfire and brimstone and damnation and the fires of hell and your flesh is going to burn off and never be destroyed. Do not want to go back to that. I remember Wednesday night, testimony night. They used to have this thing called testimony night, and on Wednesday night you would gather, and there would be this little small group, and, and, and we didn't have a youth group um, back then. I was, me and a few other guys, and they didn't have this thing on Wednesday night that you did. I didn't know what that was, but so we gathered in this circle with these, these little old ladies, and I just remember these little old ladies, and they'd just be there, and they would testimony. Now, Pastor, I just, I just got to share, Pastor. You know, my bunions have just been just killing me. They've just been awful. I've got something growing up between my toe, Pastor, and I just... It's awful. But one day, Pastor, one day it's going to be gone, and I'm going to walk on streets of gold. My bunions are going to be gone. Hallelujah. I mean, that's, a, I'm not making that up. That's, that's how it used to roll back in the day. But we, we, don't, we don't talk much about it. I, I saw a great illustration by one of my favorite speakers. His name is Francis Chan. And he, he talked about, living in light of eternity, and I want you to uh, imagine that this, this rope, it represents eternity. It, it represents your eternity, and I, I want you to envision that this, this rope, it just, it just goes on and on and on for millions of years. Eternity, never-ending. That's, that's what is to come. But what, what is interesting is eternity is to come. And let's, let's imagine that this little portion right here represents our time on earth. Isn't it odd or is it strange to anyone that we spend all of our time and our energy and our devotion and our money and everything we think about on this little tiny blip. Like, we're just, man, I just got to get that 401k going. Once I get that 401k coming, then maybe, maybe I'm going to save and I'm going to have this, this little place right here. I'm just going to enjoy these few years I get right here. It's just going to be awesome. I, or we get, we're like, man, I just I got to get my kid on that traveling team. 
I got to get them on that team and I got to get that, that trophy in the Indian Springs Fall Soccer League thing that's going to end up in a garage sale one day. But man, we're going to be at practice nine days a week. That's how devoted we are. Man, and everything is focused, bent on this, and we're not thinking about all of this. Our eternity. Here's the question I want to ask you today. What if, and I'd like maybe for you to write this question down, what if we began to live in light of eternity? What if we began to live in light of eternity? What, what would you do different? How would you live your life differently in this little space you have right here, knowing you have all of this awaiting you? The Apostle Paul, let's go to the scripture. He tells us what the day of Christ's return is going to be like. He tells us how to prepare for it. In verse 2 of chapter 5, he says, For you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return. Now, the day of the Lord's return, if you're new to church, that's the second coming. That's, we believe that Jesus, who died on the cross, was risen again. He ascended to God, sits at the right hand of the Father. One day he's coming back for you and for me. Okay, That's the second coming. As followers of Jesus, we believe that. Do we believe that? We believe that, okay? We believe that there's judgment coming. And we know that there's this thing, some people call it the rapture. People ask, are you pre-trib, post-trib? Are you geometry? Are you algebra? I don't know. But what are you, okay? And that's what he's talking about right here, judgment day. He said it's going to come unexpectedly like a what? Let's say this together, like a what? Like a thief in the night. When people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains, and there will be no escape. Have, have you ever, like, woken up in the, in the middle of, of the night, and you thought somebody was in your house? That is a creepy feeling, is it not? I mean, you're, like, laying there, and you're like, I'm, I'm just not going to move. I'm not going to breathe. I, and, and Do you ever do this, like? Pull the cover up, thinking somehow that's got a force field that's going to protect you. There's somebody in the house, I'll just pull the blanket up. That will save me from the Smith & Wesson. That's what that will do. Now, I, know, I know what some of you are, listen, I don't own a gun, because some of you right now, I'll tell you what I do. They're just, they're just going to, I'll meet them with my Colt 45 at the front door. Well, I'm going to do, I'm going to get them with it. Is that a beer or is that a gun? I don't know. But you know that feeling you have where you're just completely just, paralyzed in fear, somebody might be in my house. This, this is what it is like, what Paul is talking about when he talks about the, a thief here. What he's saying is a thief is like a stranger. Um, they come in, it's unexpected. You're, you're caught off guard. You're, you're unprepared for that moment. and You're just not ready. He says, for those who have not placed their faith in Jesus Christ, he is going to come like a thief in the night. He says this, listen, they are going to feel like they're peaceful and secure. What does he mean by that? They're, they're going to feel like, hey, I got my 401k, I got my car, I got the house, career is going good, kids are in good schools, their grades seem to be good, we're living, this thing seems to be going well, everything is peaceful and secure. And those things aren't bad. But the problem is, is they're prepared for today, but they're unprepared for eternity. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, please hear me. You, are, you might be prepared for today. 
but are you prepared for eternity? This is what Paul is talking about here, is that they're going to be caught off guard. And then he says this, he says, man, disaster is going to fall suddenly. It's going to come that quick. Disaster is going to fall upon them. Why, why is he saying that? Because everything on this earth, everything that we're living for is temporary. It, it doesn't last. Okay? Exhibit A, Phil Collins. Hasn't had a hit in 20 years. When I was talking to my kids about it, they said, is he a one-hit wonder? Phil Collins! Abacab! Sususudio! He was the man back in the day. But it's all temporary is what Paul is trying to tell us. And man, honestly, we can hear this and we can be just gripped with, with fear. I mean, think of the words he uses here. Uh, thief, disaster, labor pains, no escape. <laughs> That's the only thing missing from that verse. I, I don't know how you grew up, but when I, when I grew up, they talked a lot about the rapture, about Jesus coming back someday, and, and, and it could happen at any moment. And I remember being a kid at eight or nine, just scared to death at any moment. He's, he's coming back like a thief. I got to be ready. And I, I remember growing up, um, they showed this movie in church, which was weird because we couldn't even go to movies, but then they showed a movie in church. I didn't quite get that one. Explain that, preacher man. But I, I digress. Um, <laughs> I'm not angry. I'm not bitter. So they had this movie, it was called A Thief in the Night. Oh, okay, some of you, that's a little too dated. Some of you remember Left Behind, Kirk Cameron. How many of you remember Left Behind, Kirk Cameron? Yeah, all right. Yeah, honestly, if, if, you know, in that movie, Kirk Cameron gets left behind, and I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, Kirk Cameron, that's hell right there. If I'm stuck in eternity with Kirk Cameron, that's hell. Oh, I'm kidding. That's a joke. Wow, loosen up, people. Wow, it's a joke. I'm kidding. So, this movie, A Thief in the Night. So I'm, I'm watching this movie, and in this movie, it's about what's called the mark of the beast and 666, and they're going to put a mark on your forehead, and you've got to get the mark, or you can't eat, and they're going to execute you, and it's all going to be over. I mean, it's just, they chase this lady all the way through the movie, and the preacher doesn't go to heaven in that movie. The preacher is left behind. And I mean, I am just absolutely paralyzed. If you're, that movie freaked me out so bad. I remember going home and sitting in the house getting home from, from school early, and nobody would be there, and I would just be scared to death that the rapture had happened. Just thinking, man, I hope somebody comes home. I hope somebody comes home. I mean, I was just paralyzed with fear, and I remember hearing the door open, and, then, and, 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 shed, and I'd go look, and it would be like, it was my brother, and I was like, well, I, I know he's going to hell, so that doesn't, that doesn't count. <laughs> oh, sure, laugh at my brother going there, but not Kirk Cameron. Okay, so then I'd sit there, and then, and then finally my mom would come home, and I would look, and I'd be like, okay, it's mom. All right, we're good, because anybody who knows my mom knows Grandma Jerry. I mean, she's a saintly woman. I'm like, she's home. Rapture has not happened yet. That was the fear that I lived in. As followers of Jesus, though, Paul says we're not supposed to live in fear. If you're a follower of Jesus, Paul says you have nothing to fear. Look at verse 4. He's talking to the followers of Jesus here, but you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters, 
And you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. Here's why. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, when he comes, you're going to recognize him. He won't be a stranger. You ever had a family member come to town and they show up late at night and they come in really late, but you're expecting them, right? You're not afraid. You're not scared. You know them because they're family. That's, that's what it's going to be like for those of us that are followers of Jesus. He says, for you are children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night, so be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Here it is. Let's say this together. Stay alert and be clear-headed. Stay alert and be clear-headed. In other words, what Paul is saying is, when he says be clear-headed, what he's saying is, we, we're thinking in light of this moment, of the temporary, and he says, no, 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 you're not thinking straight, you're not clear-headed, what I need you to do is change your perspective, change what you're thinking about, change it and think about what is coming, eternity is coming, stay alert, think about that, you're not clear-headed if all your focus is on this right here. Stay alert. Be clear-headed. But do we do that? No. Man, we're just all on this, aren't we? I'm just all on this. In fact, we even try to, what's hilarious is we try to prolong this, don't we? You know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to eat organic. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to eat grass the rest of my life, and that's what's going to happen. And I'm, I'm going to do yoga. I don't even, I don't think I can stretch that way, but I'm doing yoga, and I'm, I'm, I'm eating grass, and, uh, and hopefully I can extend my life maybe Maybe by this much. Because you're so focused on this. Now hang on a second here, okay? It, it all eventually disintegrates. It all eventually goes bad. I mean, can I get an amen from my over 40 crowd? Come on now. Yeah. I mean, you got stuff popping out places that you didn't even know. What is that? You got stuff dropping and you're like, what is that? I mean, it's just you realize we're living in light of eternity. So if you live in light of eternity, what would you do differently? Because here's the thing, Jesus is coming back. He is coming back. And he's either coming back for all of us, or he's coming back just for you. Here's what I mean by that. Either the rapture is going to take place, and he's coming for everyone, or eventually we're all going to die. At some point or another in your life, you will stand before God. Whether it's the rapture or death comes your way. Either way, it's going to appear like a thief in the night, is it not? Have you ever had a family member die on you? It wasn't that unexpectedly. You didn't anticipate it. Kind of came out of nowhere and you're like, whoa, what was that? But there will be a day when we will have to stand, as Paul says here, we're going to stand in judgment for who we are and how we've lived our lives. Heaven and hell awaits each one of us. And for those of us who placed our faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus says, I have a place for you in heaven. I have a home for you. For those who said, I believe Jesus was the Son of God. I believe he did die. I believe he did was risen again from the dead, and I, I believe all that, and I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm jacked up. I know I've messed up. I'm confessing my sin. I'm getting right, and I'm choosing to follow you. What he says, when you meet him that day, he's going to say, come on in. But we don't like to talk about that other place too much, do we? Hell is not a popular subject 
in the church today. I mean, we're, we're, we get excited about heaven. Woohoo, heaven. Hell, oh, hang on a second here. Let's not talk about that. I brought friends today. Let's not talk about that. They're probably not going to come back. You start talking about hell. But hell is a very real place. And the question I think that a lot of us ask, and one that we're afraid to ask out loud, but I hear this come especially from a lot of people that are not followers of Jesus who have a misinterpretation of who Jesus is. They ask this question, how could a loving God send people to hell? Are you kidding me? Like this is your, this is your loving God. This is a God who loves everyone. God is love, but you're telling me God is love, but yet I hear what you're saying. So this loving God sends people to hell? Paul tells us differently. Paul says that, that's not God's plan for you. That's not what God has planned for you. Look at verse 9. This is what Paul says in verse 9. For God chose to what? To what? He chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Turn, turn to the person next to you and say, God's not mad at you. God is not mad at us. This idea of him being a, a, a thief is, 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 gives this impression like, like God is sneaking in to steal away the Christians. Just, hey, don't tell the pagans I'm here. Just go slowly. Don't wake them up. Shh. Keep it on the down. Really? Like that's how God is going to come back? That's our God? That's, that's how he is? That, that's the impression that many people have about him. But here's the thing about God. He's We have this impression, and people in the world have this impression, like God's angry at them. Like he's mad at them. Like he cannot wait to pour out his vengeance. Oh, he cannot wait. Justice is coming for those sinners, and I cannot wait to pour it out on them. It's, it's like the lyrics of this song that Phil Collins uh, wrote would be like God talking. Like God would be saying this right here. Well, if you told me you were drowning, I would not lend a hand. Oh, I've seen your face before, my friend. I, I don't know if you know who I am. I was there, and I saw what you did. I, I saw it with my own two eyes. So you, you can wipe off that grin because I know where you've been, and that's just all a pack of lies. And I cannot wait to send you to hell for what you have done. That is not our God. That is not what Paul is saying here at all. He came to save us. He's, he's not sitting back anticipating punishment. Listen, write this down, John chapter 14. You need to read John chapter 14 this week. Because in John chapter 14, Jesus, he's getting ready to ascend to the Father, and, and, and or he's getting ready to, uh, near the end of his life, and, and, and the disciples are worried, and they're, they're concerned, and, and he looks at his disciples because he sees this worry on their face, and he says, hey, hey, hang on, hang on. I, I'm going to go to be with the Father, but, but, 
listen, listen, this is what it's going to be like. I'm going to go, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. Like, I, I, he's got this mansion, and, and, and there's a room that we're decorating, that we're setting up just, just, just for you. That, that's the message that Jesus has for you and for me. He didn't come to pour out his anger on us. He, he went, and he's now preparing a place for you. He didn't prepare hell for you. He's preparing a place in heaven for you. If you're not a follower of Jesus, right now Jesus is anticipating your arrival. So he's already at work on a place for you. He's setting up this place. He's putting it together. He's decorating it. And then he says this, and, and guess what? I, listen, don't, don't worry. I, I, I'm at the right time. I'm going to come back for you. Does that sound like an angry God to you? Because it doesn't sound like an angry God to me. Does it sound like a God that can't wait to pour out his vengeance and send people to hell? That's not, that doesn't sound like a, the God that I, I serve. He is a loving father. He doesn't want to pour out his anger. He wants to pour out his love on us. So God doesn't want anyone to perish, so he sends out this rescue party. He sends Jesus. Jesus came 2,000 years ago, came to this earth, died a sinner's death to prepare our rescue. That's what Paul says in verse 10. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive, when he returns, let's say this together, what? We can live with him forever. That's good news. He wants us to live with him forever. Forever. Listen, there's all kinds of stereotypes about heaven and, and hell, and we have this idea that heaven, I think the reason we don't preach about heaven a lot or talk a lot about heaven is because we have all these misperceptions of what heaven is. Like it's, you know, you're going to get out, you're going to have this cloud, you're going to be assigned a, um, a toga that you're going to wear for all eternity, and I don't look good in a toga, uh, and so you're going to get your little harp, you're going to get on your little cloud, and you're going to sing praise choruses, or, or, or you're going to be in the heavenly choir. You get to sing in a choir for all eternity. I don't want to sing in a choir for all eternity. Unless it's a black gospel choir. Then that's heaven to me. I will sing in that choir. But that's the impression we have. Like it's, going be, it's going to be this place. This, all this stuff's going to be going on. And then the, the impression we have of hell is, is it's going to be this, this lake of fire. And you're going to be put into that fire. And your flesh is going to burn and bubble up with boils and blisters for all eternity. Now, how much of that is figurative language and how much of that is true is not the point I want to make today. I think the point about what heaven is is what Paul says it is right here. Heaven is where we will live with God forever. We will not be eternally separated from him ever again. Never will be away from him. So what is hell? Here's what hell is. Hell is being eternally separated from God. If you don't get a picture of that, think about Let me give you a picture of heaven and hell. Heaven and hell is happening right now on this earth. Okay, just all you got to do is look around at what's taking place in our world. How many of you have ever been betrayed by somebody? How many of you have ever been hurt by somebody? How many of you have ever had somebody die in your life? How many of you have ever been addicted to something you couldn't get free from? How many of you have ever been consumed by immorality? How many of you have ever been consumed by lust that you wanted to get free from and you couldn't get free from? How many of you have seen pain and anguish and depression and loneliness? That's hell. That's what hell is. And guess what? 
If you're not a follower of Jesus, when you move into eternity, that continues forever. Eternally separated from God, no hope. But heaven, if you're a follower of Jesus, I know you've experienced a little bit of heaven here on earth, have you not? You ever held a newborn baby? It's a moment that you have of just life. You're like, how did this, how did this, this is life. And how did this, it's just the most breathtaking thing ever. You ever sat in a worship service and, and you're overwhelmed by a song and you wish that song would go on and on and on. Like you don't want the song to end. You just want to keep going. Just keep that song going. I don't know what's going on right now. But man, whatever this is, this is amazing. That's the presence of God. You're sensing the presence of God in that moment, and it overwhelms you. And guess what? That goes on not just for this little blip right here. It goes on for all of eternity, never separated from him. Here's the good news. If you're a follower of Jesus, on this earth, you will experience hell. You're going to go through some stuff as a follower of Jesus. You're gonna get betrayed. People are gonna lie to you. People are gonna hurt you. Bad things are gonna happen. Disease is gonna strike. People are gonna die out of nowhere and you're gonna be left lonely. There might be moments where you experience depression. But it's just a blip. Just momentary. And God says, I am gonna be with you here and I'm gonna be with you here all the way through eternity. He says, I'm gonna, you're gonna have it forever. Never will I ever leave you again. Never will you ever be without me. You will be eternally separated from that. That's the best news ever. No one's ever gonna hurt me again. I will never be lonely again. That, that addiction that I, that I struggled with in this part of my life, that addiction that I had, that, that lust that overwhelmed me, that thing I could never get free from, gone. Gone for all eternity. You, you'll never have to deal with it again. That's the promise. That's our God. So knowing that, how will you live your life differently? Thinking in light of eternity, how will you live differently? As you bow your heads, I want us to think about that question. What if I live my life in light of eternity? You're here today and you're a follower of Jesus. Maybe for you today, it's restructuring of priorities. Right now, just say, God, I just need to restructure my priorities. <laughs> I'm so consumed with this life, God. Maybe right now, you just need to fully surrender your life to the work of the Holy Spirit. God, I just, I'm so tired of living for my 401k. I'm so tired of living for that ball team. I'm so tired of living for the next house payment. God, I want to live in light of eternity. God, open my eyes to eternity. God, I surrender to you today. Fully surrender all. Give up my life for you, God, so that I can have what comes in eternity. Whatever that is, just give that to him right now. God, I give this over to you. I surrender it to you. 
If you have something today that you're needing to surrender, would you just slip up your hand? Maybe say, I'm, I'm fully surrendered. Got you all over the all over the room. All over the room. Different things you say, I gotta lay that down. God help these people in the name of Jesus. Fill them with your spirit. They might follow you, they might know you. Maybe today you're not a follower of Jesus. I'll tell you, hell is not reserved for you, heaven is. God right now, He's got He's preparing a place for you. He says, I can free you from your sin. If you confess with your lips that Jesus Christ is Lord, if you confess your sin to Him, He says, I have a place for you. You will live with me for all eternity. Just make this your prayer. God, I am a sinner. I've been living away from you. I've been living my own life. I've been living just in light of my own eternity and my own destiny and my own ways. God, today I surrender that to you. I ask you, God, to forgive me. I ask you to make me new. God, place your spirit in me. I don't understand all that, God, but I just ask that you help me to follow after you. And today I confess my sin to you. Maybe you need to recommit your life to him. You've been away from Jesus for a long time. Make that commitment today. All heads bowed. If you prayed that today, make Jesus the Lord of your life, or maybe to recommit your life to him, would you just raise your hand? I would like to know who you are. I won't point you out. I got you over here. Anybody else today? I got you here in the front. Anybody else today in the back? I see you. I won't point you out. I won't make you come up here. I just want to know who you are. God, thank you for those who surrendered their lives to you. Thank you, God, for giving them new life. Thank you for this promise of heaven, for the hope of what we have in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give God a big hand clap for transformed lives today. Amen.